look, the U.S. cannot complain about any officiating in this World Cup. We have gotten every single call, in my opinion. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Welcome back to another Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County sports. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me like normal. I'm Joe, let's start off today's conversation with uh, just a little bit of high school sports talk and kind of the talk of the summer now that the football schedule has come out. Uh, looking at Twitter, it seems like a lot of people are still talking about the new Shenandoah district. So let's touch on that for a minute. For anybody listening that doesn't know, Fort coming into the Shenandoah district, Luray, Page, Stonewall, East Rock, all of them uh, exiting stage north uh, to the Bull Run. And uh, that leaves us, though, with a, a pretty solid district of Augusta County teams. And the more it goes on, the more time that passes, the more I'm used to it. And it, and it just seems right. Yeah, it would have been great if we could have gotten that other team that's still in the Valley in uh, with Waynesboro. But they decided to stay in the Valley. Um, and and that's, my that's, thing about them is they're going to go through this four-year cycle and not be in the Shenandoah district. Then at that time, East Rock is probably going to be big enough to be a 3A school. They'll go into the Valley. And Harrisonburg's new high school will be open, and they'll be playing in the Valley. And the, and the Valley District will probably be looking to get Waynesboro out of the way. And so Waynesboro will be, probably be looking for a home in four years, and I'm sure the Shenandoah District will take them. And then we'll have a true Augusta County, seven teams, and, I, and that'll, be, that'll be the best. I mean, I, you're right. It would have been nice if Waynesboro came now, but I just think that's a problem that's going to solve itself in four years. I agree. I mean, isn't Wilson going up to 3A this year? They are, but they're Okay, so you'd have Wilson, here. you'd have Wilson, Fort, mm-hmm. and Waynesboro if they joined. That's three and, of the six. And draft that would be is 3A. Draft, draft, draft will be there soon. Yeah, yeah, draft will be there soon. I, man, it just doesn't make sense. But you know what? Whatever. They decided to stay in the Valley. Cool. I hope they enjoy the extra long trips. I hope it's worth it. I hope when the dollars and cents shake out, it was worth staying in the Valley for nostalgia. Um, but I mean, it didn't seem to bother Lee to get out of the Valley. Um, you know, former, former Lee, when, when the decision was made, it was Lee. Yeah. Stanton. Uh, yeah. Stanton now it, it didn't seem to bother them to get out of the Valley and they've made a nice little home in the Shenandoah district. You know, there's the good natural rivalries cause everybody's close together. And, yeah. It's weird how geogra- geography works in terms of rivalries. And a lot of people talked about how much Lee was going to dominate when they came in the Shenandoah. They, I mean, they haven't dominated. They really They've dominated haven't. basketball. But East Rock has been right with them for three years. I mean, those have been the top games. They've won the district titles. <laughs> Dominate, I would say, is a strong word. They're, they've been absolutely strong, the best. But dominate, I mean, they're losing games. It's not like they're going undefeated in the Shenandoah district. Okay. I, I don't know what you call it when they're – this year they lost the regular season to East Rock, but the other years it hasn't been close. I don't know what you call it then. I, I mean, it's been close. It's been tight games. They've in, in the standings, it's been close. It hasn't been close in the standings. Lee's run away with the other two years. I don't know what we're talking about here. We're talking about one team is better I, than the others. I don't know. Trox, I thought, played right with them because I've been there. You've been there too, calling those games, that, and many of them have been very good games. I just didn't feel like I wouldn't call it domination. I mean, just the same way is that I wouldn't say Riverheads has necessarily dominated the district. They've dominated 1A, but they haven't dominated the district because Wilson was right with them there for a while. Uh, you know, there's been uh, Lee beat them the other year. Uh, last year, East Rock beat them. So Riverheads is always at the top and and good, but I, I think dominant in the district, I, I wouldn't 
necessarily say. I, I, dominance, when I say like undefeated, UConn women's basketball, like that that kind of domination, that's not what we've seen. I don't know. I think when there's two, three games between the teams, I think it's pretty dominant. But Okay. Um, so it's, I think it'll be interesting. I'm really excited about when that schedule came out for the football this fall. I mean, weeks five through 11, every week, it's a local on local matchup. I mean, they were choosing between multiple local matchups. I love that. I mean, that's that's great for radio. That's great for fan interest. I mean, really, you could just throw your darts at any one of those games happening and go to it and probably see a pretty decent ball game or at least a game of interest. Yeah, it's nice when you can have all these local games, like you said. And, you know, the non-district games, I know some of them are going to be more travel than others. Um, and it's it's nice to have those as well, just to get a different view of the state uh, and see and, and that's where, where you will... stack up uh, against someone else. But, you know, I, I think there's a limit to that. You don't want that to be half your games. You don't want that to be, you know, more than three, I think, uh, ideally. Um, and then you're not going on the road all three games. So in a year. But I will give respect to Waynesboro. They scheduled Wilson, Stewart's draft. Fort Defiance, all from right around here. So I, I respect them for getting those local teams. Well, in they had district. to, otherwise they're playing Culpepper. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, and I, I, I like that they're playing it. At least they're getting involved and they're not, you know, shying away from them or anything. Those are good gates. Um, it's like they're almost like trading, being in, like they're going to lose some gate money from compared to being in the Shenandoah district from being in the Valley district because people from Broadway and Rockbridge might not be coming to Waynesboro. Maybe Rockbridge does, but you know where you would have in county games every week. But if they're getting those in the preseason in the in the non district, at least that's smart decision making on their part. Yeah. Um, I also like some of the other team schedules, and we'll get more of this when we dig in deep in football. But that. You know, Buffalo Gap getting Broadway. I like that Broadway's playing the Shenandoah District team. I wish maybe they'd play more of them, and, and maybe that'll come in the next cycle. Um, East Rock and the Riverheads uh, matchup, I really like that. I, I'm glad that, you know, I don't know if it was really a rivalry, but those have been two better teams for the last four or five years. East Rock got better and better, and it's it's like they couldn't get over the hump of beating Riverheads, and then they did last year. Um, I, I appreciate that they're going to keep playing. You're just glad that Riverheads gets a chance to avenge the loss they had last year and that East Rock's well, not walking away the last team to win that. But they're a decent team. Like, they're a good team to play. I have no problem. I, I mean, East even as Riverheads is... homer, I want to play hard teams. I don't I don't want to play the bottom of anywhere. I don't want to play Nelson. That's what everybody said. Well, then get Nelson County back on the schedule. And and even I bring up how they should play Perry McClure and Covington and stuff, these teams that are driving past Riverheads to go play non-district. No, I mean, honestly, playing a team like East Rock is much better in my mind. Uh, yeah, I don't think East Rock's going to be as good this year. But, yeah, I mean, it's probably better than it's general, better than playing right. Nelson. I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I like that matchup. Um, Clark County's coming back down. I, they're playing. I know they're playing Stewart's. I think they're playing Buffalo Gap, too, which is real interesting since they played last year in the playoffs. Gap's lost a lot from that team. I don't know what Clark has, um, but I like that that matchup's happening. I like Gap's schedule. My, my closet. Uh, Gap uh, fan fandom is showing really strongly right now because I like Gap's football schedule. Okay. I'll it's ask gonna, you how you like it in the fall. It's, it's going to be a little tough for them. They're, they're losing a lot. We'll get more to that when we concentrate on football. A little, a little bit more concentrating on football, though. The new coaches, that's the other aspect of the Shenandoah district. Uh, Coach Phillips going to Stanton, and you got Coach Wigan out at Gap. Um, I think they're good additions. They're former – I, I don't know. I, I like those additions coming in there. I like that both of them are familiar with the Shenandoah district. Coach Wigan coaching at Wilson. 
um, being there for the success of Wilson and the rebuild. And then Coach Phillips playing in, at Bath County, um, having the history directly with the Shenandoah District, playing Buffalo Gap a lot, playing Riverheads a whole lot for meaningful games. Um, and then even not being too far away down there at James River. I, I like both those guys coming in and, and how they'll fit in to the mold of the Shenandoah District. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I, I alluded to it last sec, uh, with the last bit of conversation there. I think Wygant's going to have his work cut out for him in year one. Yeah. But again, it's it's a it's a process. You need to let him have, you know, three or four years before you make a decision on what he can do. It's not like he's recruiting players. Um, so you need to let him install his system, see how Buffalo Gap responds to it and just build uh, from whatever happens this year. Uh, I think and the breed of kid you get out there is are real easy to build, uh, to build from They're They're hardworking kids out in Buffalo gap. Traditionally. Um, I, I like, I like the odds for him to be successful down the road. Yeah. Phillips coming into Stanton is the real wild card. I don't know what to expect from Stanton this year. Um, last year, they were a team that was up and down. You never knew which team was going to show up week in week out. Uh, and that's not to criticize um, the coaching before I, the coaching before was outstanding, but um, I just think I'm interested to see if Lee can get <laughs> we keep better doing it. Stanton. <laughs> yeah. Stanton gets better. I'm yeah. I'm interested to see if Stanton gets better. Yeah. It's July 1st. It's July so 1st it's officially, today. we gotta, we gotta change. <laughs> it's officially changed. Um, I want to see if Stanton can continue to improve off the successes they had last year. And that's going to be hard because they did lose a lot. One thing I liked about these last couple of years of Lee teams, it, it didn't seem like they quit or they ever gave up in a season or even in game. It seems like they kept fighting. I know the Wilson game, there was a big comeback, but momentum got completely on the other side and, and it went against them. But it always seemed like Lee was fighting. And uh, in all honesty, I don't know if five plus years ago, you always saw that. So I like that that's in that program now. And I think coach Phillips coming from what he's come from, no playing against him at Bath County and, and seeing what he did and, and the success he had at uh, William and Mary, you know, he's a fighter too. And I think he's going to be able to keep, that um, mindset through those players. And, and I think we'll see, you know, maybe a more tough nosed football team at Lee than maybe what we saw the last couple of years. That's been very successful. I'm not, and nothing, they were tougher. These, they were very tough these last couple of years, but they were, there was some finesse to them. And that offense was, you know, getting the ball in the air, getting the ball with speed. He's still going to use a speed, but I could see a little bit more smash mouth, a little, you know, maybe a little bit of fullback in there that we haven't really seen there. I could see that happening. Well, we'll see. I mean, again, I think it's, I think a good coach builds his offense around what he has. And he so has. we'll see. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I think with Jerelmo, I think what he was doing was brilliant. I think he was going up against other smash mouth teams that really couldn't handle speed on the edge. When you had elite speed, he used that elite speed to his advantage. Yeah. That's, I, that's a fair, good point. I just, when you mix in one of these edge guys that you might have playing at outside linebacker and you put them at fullback instead. I mean, that those guys were already on that team last year. I mean, you can't tell me they didn't okay, have somebody that. But if they're not built to play fullback, then you've just wasted your speed putting I mean, it in an interior position. Some of those outside line, I'm saying the guys on the field, like Lawler was fast and had that power and, and it really gone. paid off. He's gone. He's gone. But there's other players on that team. There's te other players on that team last year that could have played a more traditional fullback than they were ever used there. They were on the roster already. So I'm saying how Phillips sees with the players that he has and how he uses them. I, I, I think that'll be interesting. And yeah. maybe I'm completely off and maybe sticks to speed and that's great. And as long as they're winning, I, I'm not going to complain about what he's doing. I mean, I want all these teams to be successful. So that'll be good there. 
the next topic, uh, interesting article from Patrick Height, and it, it dropped today, recording on Monday. Uh, middle school basketball, we knew it was coming back, um, but the details of some of that, they're going to be middle school-specific teams and um, not affiliated directly with the high schools. And really the only place that comes into play is out at Beverly Manor, which serves Buffalo Gap and Riverheads. Only one middle school team between for the feeding of that program. And basically they reference as, you know, they're middle school teams, not, not high school feeder teams. And uh, I think that's interesting. No matter how it's cut, no matter how it's put together, I'm just glad they're going to have some formed teams before the JV teams. They used to have freshman basketball. They got rid of it a decade ago. I'm glad it's back. It's going to be beneficial to this area where we were starting to slip behind in a lot of sports. I think basketball will be the first one to kind of start stepping back up on an overall sense and uh, having that development earlier. Yeah, we've had middle school sports where I grew up, um, and it is middle school based. Um, so, yeah. you know, when I was reading and he was saying, you know, they're not high school feeder teams, they're middle school specific, I was kind of like, as opposed to. And, but and before it was all eighth graders, mostly eighth graders and freshmen, and they were, it was Riverhead's freshman team, and it had the eighth graders coming from Billy Manor. So, sure, which is confusing to me. Um, I, again, I, I'm coming from a different area and a different viewpoint on people (laughs) yeah it is it's a lot more people in frederick county um and now i know that you know when i started at middle school and actually all the way through middle school when i was there it was something called the nvjl and it was the frederick county schools Uh, we played johnson williams over in clark peter muhlenberg from shenandoah county was in this thing and then uh, warren county middle was in it and then uh, we brought in uh, charlestown from west virginia played in it um but that later shrunk to Frederick County saying, you know, hey, but tight, tight budget. Um, we're going to just play each other. So it was Daniel Morgan um, from Winchester was also involved in the NVJL. So it was, then it was Daniel Morgan and the county schools. And that was it um, playing each other. So, uh, again, I, I think you're right. I think it does help develop athletes earlier. Um, and we had seventh and eighth grade teams. I don't we'll see what they do. Um, I think I, the article said all middle school. I, I Okay, so I we didn't have like sixth, sixth graders. Seven, we didn't yeah. have sixth graders play. Uh, we wanted yeah. uh, the logic behind that was sixth graders needed to focus on adjusting to middle school before playing yeah. sports. But again, I'm not going to split hairs with anyone on that. And the seventh yeah. and eighth grade teams were separate. So I think we I think we both agree when we start splitting the hairs on these details is we're glad it exists. We're glad yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. reason to split the hairs because at least it exists, at least it's going to develop players earlier. Get a lot of these fathers coach teams out of there sooner and get these kids on a on a on a team that's playing for something bigger than than their daddy. I think is always good. No no disrespect to some of our listeners that have been coaches of their kids teams. I think we're talking about Ron. Um Leland. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm coaching my daughter. Um, it's the, the sooner you can get us away from guys like me, probably the better. Um, so you're, <laughs> you're playing for a more neutral thing and, uh, you know, father son, father, daughter relationship can get out of there sooner. I think that's good. I also like that they're playing double headers, guy, girl, double headers, uh, for the games. I think that's very nice. That's, that's, cool. that's how we did it. And that yeah. saves on transportation. Yep. All right. Valley baseball league. And I'll let you run. Yeah, we went. Uh, you actually joined me at Stanton to watch Waynesboro Stanton. Well, it's a Stanton game. You joined me. Mm, okay, <laughs> I was there first, so I think you joined me. It's my team. It's my town. Uh, I was there. At, I was at the game first. You got there second, so you joined me um, with your family. And um, they're handing prizes out to me. It's my game. 
Sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, your team lost. Um, yeah, I didn't we have were a team. I left. I, that's all I care. Yeah, I didn't have a team. I am very neutral, even though you try to pin me to Waynesboro. Um, but you live. I, yeah, it's where I live, but I don't have a dog in the fight in the Valley League. I like all these teams. Um, but the the Waynesboro Generals were behind. Stanton had their big inning after an error from Waynesboro, and then Stanton kind of gave it back. Um, in the ninth inning, Leland, it was kind of crazy. Uh, Stanton is up six to three and we have talked about Stanton's bullpen or pitching issues in general. And I think everyone in the stadium kind of knew like, wow, three runs is pretty low. Uh, and then the leadoff guy strokes a single into left field. Okay. Looking like trouble for Stanton here early in the ninth because the next guy up is Wes Clark who is one of the most dangerous hitters in the league, and he was due for a hit. Because we had done well against him. Yeah, he point. before up, yeah. up to that point, I don't think he had a hit. Um, so I was thinking, all right, well, he's due. And if he gets on, I like Waynesboro to come back and win this game. He hits an absolute screamer that hops, hits the shortstop in the chest, goes off his chest directly to the second baseman on second base, who then turns the double play. And I was like, well, it's just not in the card for Waynesboro. And when that play happens, you just got to tip your cap and go, all right, get you next time. Yeah. Um, next guy up, uh, I believe believe he got a single, but he might have walked. And then it was another runner getting on to put runners on first and second with Joey Kinker coming to the plate with two outs. Kid comes up, blasts a homer over right field. Apo Taco ties the ball game. <laughs> Stanton gets the last out in the ninth. We go to the 10th. Waynesboro leadoff double. And you're like, all right, I know where this is going. Yeah. Sack bunts him over to third. They do the safety squeeze. Safety squeeze goes directly back to the pitcher. That creates an issue for the guy on third. He gets thrown out. So now you got two outs and a runner on first. And I'm like, oh, Stan's going to dance out of danger here. Good for them. Waynesboro steals second. The catcher throws it over into center field. So that allows the runner to get from second to third. The center fielder runs past the ball. That allows the guy go, to go from third to home to give Waynesboro a 7-6 lead, and Stanton did nothing in the bottom half of the inning, yeah. uh, and it was the final 7-6. to six. Waynesboro also beat Stanton again later this week. So Waynesboro is 5-0, and oh, goes for the season sweep next Ooh. time out. Uh, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They had won a marathon game against, I believe it was the Winchester Royals the night before, we saw them in Stanton. So that was back-to-back extra inning games with kind of fun outcomes if you're a Waynesboro General fan. Stanton, though, is in trouble, Leland. They have lost five in a row. Yeah. They're only a game out of the playoffs, and they're only a game under 500. But with the rate they're going, yeah. it's trouble. Um, and I know you and I had talked about the Valley Baseball League being quite parity-driven. Uh, everybody bunched up in both divisions. Strasburg has had something to say about that. They just had an 11 game win streak yeah. broken last night. Um, so now they've only won nine of their last 10, but and they're up know. to fourth in those national standings. For okay. Summer league games. Yeah. Oh, so they're up to fourth bad. in that poll, which is amazing. Again, it, yeah. get out and watch some Valley baseball league. Strasburg is a really, really good baseball team. In fact, they're looking like a team that is maybe setting themselves up for yet again, another finals appearance in the North. Um, the Valley baseball league all-star game is Sunday in Harrisonburg. If you have a chance, you should go out there. Uh, that that it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, 
Um, you, you covered it all. I, I wasn't impressed with either team when we watched them kicking the ball around and whatnot. It was a sloppy game. It was a sloppy game. Uh, I was disappointed. When we left, it seemed like we had a good handle on things, and you, you explained on how it went, went south after I left. I guess I'm the good luck charm for them. Um, it's not going to probably be good news for them because <laughs> I'm not going to be coming every night. <laughs> All right, World Cup soccer. The women beat France on Friday, and they look, they look pretty good. They, they played a good game. I, I don't know what I'd really pick apart too negatively. Um, they won two to one. Rapino had a heck of a game, um, a very meme-like uh, pose after one of the goals. Um, well, it's it the, was just a good. It's the are you not entertained pose? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meme, yes, yeah, sort. And it was awesome. It was just an entertaining game to watch. I was really busy while it was going on, but I was catching enough of it. Um, and they get England on Tuesday. They do get England on Tuesday. England looked pretty good against Norway, which is a good women's team. They thumped them. I believe it was three nil. Um, so we're going to get England. Uh, look, we beat one of the best teams. I would say right now, the Netherlands is probably the second best team in this tournament. We won't have to see them until the final, obviously, since we're playing England in the semis on Tuesday. Um, but Netherlands and Sweden on the other end of the bracket is going to be a good game. This is going to be a good game. Um, I, I thought the U.S. looked pretty good. I know yeah. France scored there late. I know France was upset about a handball that wasn't called. Uh, one, I think that's just one of those where you can't call the handball. The player is too close. Uh, they're not using the arm to make themselves larger. The ball, the the arm was where the body is supposed to be, so it just kind of hit it because that's where the body is. Um, and you know that's going to change in the future with the kind of uh, they call them laws in soccer and not rules, but it's going to change with the law changes uh, that intent is not going to matter anymore. If it hits it, it hits it and it's a penalty, but that's not the law right now. So um, I, I would also say to France, belly aching about that. Well, we didn't review a third goal that was called off, which they said was offsides, which for the life of me, I can't tell who was offsides. Which was on way that. less offsides than we didn't get called in the game before. Yeah, that was not offsides. Game. Well, that wasn't offsides, but Again, yeah. Uh, last game, though, they called not offsides, and we were clearly offsides. Yeah. And this was like we just weren't offsides. I I never understood that. Our announcer. They didn't review um, it. I didn't. I, I guess yeah. the VAR was broken because they didn't review that handball and they didn't review that, which I no one mentioned. But I'm betting that's what happened. I'm betting something was going wrong in the VAR room and they just couldn't look at it. But uh, no matter what happened, uh, France loses to the United States. France has never gotten past the quarterfinal. Uh, and the U.S. will march on to face England Tuesday. Uh, so it's going to be a big yeah. game. I, I love the U.S.'s odds in this game. I do think England is good. I think England's still a little young. And I think the United States will take care of business, especially if Rapino keeps playing the way she's played in this tournament. She has had a fantastic World Cup. You were talking about, I think, before the World Cup started, we talked about ages of people. She's like five or six years older than Alex Morgan. This is it um, for her. She's not coming back to Rapino, another one. And, but a heck of a way to go out. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I think Alex Morgan, I would expect her. I, I would at least be positively thinking that she'll be back for another one and and uh, be a, you know, a veteran leader on the team, maybe not have the role she has now, no. but still, you know, be an influence. I mean, look what Rapino is doing at even an older age than what uh, Morgan will be in the next game. And I think the young talent has really shown up. I, I like a lot of these young players. They're they're fun to watch. They're good. They um, they play well. So, I mean, what more do you want? I think Alex Morgan will be more of a Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd type role in the next World Cup. I think Kristen right. Press, who is a girl that comes off the bench, will be a starter the next yeah. World Cup, and she oh, yeah. is good. She is a talent. Um, 
you got to watch the back line if you're the United States in the future. That's the one area where there was a few shaky moments. Now, the back line has been pretty solid the whole tournament, but in that France game, there were a couple shaky moments that I was like, I don't know. Um, Look, I'm not going to lie. When the ball struck the arm, I was nervous. Um, But the referee didn't call it. Thank goodness. Um, I think the U.S., like I said, I think the U.S. advances. I think you're probably looking at another 2-1 scoreline here against England. And then uh, I think we'll be playing the Dutch in the final on yeah. Sunday. And that final, uh, the semifinal Saturday, or the uh, uh, consolation is Saturday. The final is Sunday. So uh, before you hear us again, uh, we'll have a World Cup champion. Hopefully it's the USA women. It better be. Yep. <laughs> NBA free agency has been the big talk these this weekend as it got going sat- Sunday night. Um, and a lot of the lead into that, you started hearing some things. The New Jersey, or not New Jersey, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets, the big winners of free agency, pretty much got everything they wanted. They got Kevin Durant. Now he's going to sit a year, but he's going to be on the roster. They're going to have him after that. They got Kyrie Irving, a head case, but a very talented player. And then they got DeAndre Jordan. So they, they, they couldn't have done better in free agency. So credit them for their ability to get who they want. Now they got to make it work. And, um, you know, this next year, it's kind of a, you know, um, swim in place kind of thing. You, you maybe try to get better and, and capitalize on what you can do. Uh, so then when you can plug Kevin Durant into it, you're that much better. Um, but, uh, Hey, they, they won the first day of free agency. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if Kai, if Kawhi leaves the East, which it's looking like he's probably going to, I don't, I don't know if they can't, I mean, I don't think I wouldn't pick them to win the East, but, uh, they'll probably have something to say about it. Um, yeah, they're as competitive as anybody without Kevin Durant. And yeah, then I think when Kevin Durant's there in two years, now we don't know what the East will look like then. There's Milwaukee's the losing some pieces. Boston is losing some pieces. Philly uh, lost some pieces. Yeah. Um. So Miami that East is going to be. Yeah, Miami did add a Philly piece. I thought Miami did a good job with the Butler trade. Um. Yep. I, if Kawhi goes to the Clippers, I think the NBA is actually going to be interesting for the first time since Katie went to Golden State. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. Uh, and I think it's, I think you're looking at be interesting either way. Well, but okay. Uh, If he stays in Toronto, it makes the East more competitive. If he goes to either of the LA teams, if he stays in Toronto, okay. If he stays in Toronto, okay. If he goes to the Lakers, it's not interesting. If he goes to the Lakers, I hate it. How was KD going to the Warriors? Interesting. If you just said it's the first time it's been interesting since then, like if it was interesting when he went there, then what are you, what are you talking about? I'm saying I said if he goes to the Clippers, it'll be interesting. If he stays in Toronto, I'll give you that. But if he goes to the Lakers, it's not interesting because then I know who's going to win the NBA championship. It's going to be the Lakers. I mean, that's probably true. I I, I don't think I'm rooting for him to go to the Lakers because I'm just not a Laker. I'm not going to cheer for the Lakers. Plus, if he goes um, to the Clippers or stays, then I'm looking at super, there are superstars teaming up, but at least it's only pairs of them. And it's not a yeah. trio or four or yeah. five. Yeah, and, and the NBA of the 90s had a lot of pair of superstars. Now, a lot yeah. of times they're drafted, but... Pairs of superstars and, and guys moved around. Charles Barkley. The league around. can survive pairs of superstars. What they can't survive Five is when three or around. four team up and then form a super team. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is not fun for anybody else. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I really liked, and there was a tweet that came back. And I remember the tweet when it came out in February, uh, but it got retweeted this weekend. It was ESPN propping the Knicks up and they had um, uh, Zion. Zion Williamson in a Knicks uniform and it had KD in a uniform and it had Kyrie Irving in a Knicks uniform. And like, you know, the Knicks stink now, but this is what they could be 12 months from now. The Knicks got none of them. I just, 
I think it's hilarious. That report that the Knicks didn't want to offer a K- KD a max deal. I... You're, you're cool. just not getting him. What like, are you doing you with the money then? What are you talking to him for? Like, why even sit down with him? I don't know. To be the Knicks. They're terrible. I'm terrible at everything. Major League Baseball. I, honestly, my focus in Major League Baseball this weekend the Yankees and the and the Boston series. Hey, I don't I don't know why we're playing games in London. Um, if if they're interested in baseball, they're probably watching it. It, I, but it did set a big stage, and the games were early in the day. Um, I guess it was like a nooner on Saturday or, or early. It was afternoon. one, yeah, one, one on okay. Saturday. But then on Sunday it started ten, so it, it did provide some like early in the day Red Sox Yankees games that we usually don't get, and um. If they're trying to get, you know, traditional baseball played in London, that is not what happened with these 20 and 30 run games uh, that they that they played against each other. And the Yankees just absolutely exploded for runs. They set the record for most runs in a two game in back to back games against the Red Sox. And they really showed London a much different Major League Baseball than what I'm used to watching. And but the Yankees won them both and they're not in one in their last 10. They showed them. Uh, I, goodness. He was on baseball tonight. They were talking about it. Um, this is 2019 Major League Baseball. And so that's what they got to see in London. See, I'm used to watching the Pirates, and I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, it was a small stadium in London just because of the dimensions they're working with, with it being a soccer stadium. Uh, so that allowed it, the ball to fly out easier uh, with a smaller field. It also was 90-plus degrees in London. Uh, they're going through a record heat wave in Europe, so that helps the ball travel too when it's warm outside. So those two factors combined with you have guys who can mash on both teams set the stage for a big barrage of runs. Uh, what I was focused on is the Baltimore Orioles setting doing something that's never been done in Major League Baseball before. They are the first team to ever back-to-back shut out a team and score 13-plus runs in those games, uh, 13 to bupkiss. Uh, twice against the Cleveland Indians. Baltimore Orioles are back. It's great to be back. We're only 30 out of the division. So, I mean, there's more than 30 games left. It's just about chipping away, Leland. Yeah, those two wins were the only, like, two of the only wins in their last lot of games. So, uh, they used all the runs up in two games. They could probably use those in some other games. Yeah, but John Means is back. He's healthy. John Means is an all-star. I thought Trey Mancini kind of got snubbed. But mm. when you're when you're 30 games back, you're going to. Yeah. When, when well, that's the problem with the MLB All-Star game. It's not actually All-Stars. It's people who are famous. Although I will say not, Harper and Machado not making it was very deserved. I didn't yeah. think either one of them deserved to be in. I was no. glad to see Major League Baseball do that. Yeah. Harper's not. Harper is an anti All-Star. Yep. Despite your high claims of what the Orioles are doing, they're still only three and seven in their last ten. The Nats and my uh, Pirates seven and three in the last uh, ten. Each of those uh, franchises. The thing about the Pirates this week, they play the Cubs and the Brewers at home. Smashed. They they can't get swept in these two. They they gotta they gotta win more than they lose this week to leave themselves any kind of hope at making a noise in the wild card that they're four games back in. Um, it's going to be tough for them, but they're playing at home. It's before Pittsburgh. You kind of light it in a tunnel. Let's see what they can do. This is the one that sends them into the trade market as sellers. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that that might be fact. All right. NCAA baseball. We talked about it all through the college world series. Vandy won it. So I really don't care about to talk about it. 
It was disgusting. Uh, it was disappointing <laughs> that Vanderbilt won because it means that I'm not looking at Michigan who wins. Uh, it means it's another SEC championship, and you know it's just it's wrong for this. It's wrong for college sports. It's offensive. All right, let's get to the next block. All right. Well, before we get into some of our more personal stuff that we usually do, let's have a little debate that message in this week uh, and also included a good friend of the show, Steve Cash. But I think a lot of our answers were the same. But we talked about the home run derby. We kind of talked about all time home run derby, who you would want to see. And we talked about the current home run derby and our more recent time home run derby. But um, let's talk about one of those lists, all time home run derby. Let's talk about some of the names that would be involved there. Oh, I'd rather give my current one, too, because I think... Well, we'll do that after this. Go. All right. My all-time home run derby. Hold on. I need to pull it up so I don't give you a different answer than I... Well, we're talking Griffey. That's an obvious answer. He's yeah. one of the best home run derby champions of all time. Won multiple of them. Always put on a good show. So Griffey's in there. No one's debating that. I just realized I only gave you six. Um, Aaron. Hank Aaron. Yes. Uh, Barry Bonds is the only roided-up clown i want in my all-time home run derby just They're to see mcguire in there no just to see if the home run the true home run kings can beat this steroid monster uh babe ruth griffey is in there trout um i put ichiro in there because every baseball expert that you talk to says ichiro in batting practice would just absolutely kill the ball but when he got in games he was in the leadoff spot and he knew his role as the leadoff man was just to get on base and then allow the other guys to drive him in. So I think that's interesting. I'd love to see him do it in a home run derby. Um, quickly, if I had to pick two more, um, you know who was on that near the top of that all-time list that I just loved as a kid was Fred McGriff. I would love to see the crime dog. Oh, the crime dog. I would love to see the crime dog in there. And I saw then, a great video of him today explaining how he got involved in the Fred Nansky skills uh, videos and and like how much crap he's taken over his life for it. I love that. I, I want to. I'll retweet that. Uh, but you have to listen to that. But yeah, Fred McGriff, he was a fun player to watch. I don't know if I'd put him in this. I I think you I think you come back to McGuire. And I know we talked about the roided. I've already told guys. you why I don't have him in though. But you put Bonds in. You put McGuire in too. So you have two. No, of those I guys put one guy stress. in. One guy represents the steroid era. Uh, it's going to be Barry Bonds and, um, man, I don't know who else I would put in maybe, uh, Oh, Mickey Mantle. Let's throw Mantle in. Let's throw another ancient guy in there. Yeah. He's a Yankee though. Um, I mean a similar list. I, I'm not going to go through a lot of mine repeat. I did have like a pool holes and a Sosa in there. I have McGuire on my list. Um, I just ignore the steroids a little bit and let them go. Cause I still think Griffey's going to beat them all. Oh, I don't think he'll win. I do. I've seen him beat McGuire before. I don't see why he can't beat him again. I think uh, I would probably pick Hank Aaron. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, yeah. I, excuse or, me for not seeing too much Hank Aaron in my lifetime. Or uh, maybe I Mike Trout. I think if Mike Trout was trying to hit him out, I think he could do it at an amazing clip. Yeah, maybe so. I, I like Trout a lot. He does get overlooked because I think he's quiet. Um but yeah, I wish he was in there now. I guess that's why it bothers me because you don't see him in it now, so it's hard to compare. At least these other guys that we're talking of the at least the '90s guys, we saw them hitting home run derbies. We used to see Frank Thomas, Sammy Sosa, um, Griffey, McGuire, Bonds. All those guys were in it every year. You know, any, any year they were in the All Star game, they're in the home run derby and they're facing off against each other. And you know what? 
you know, Griffey lost some home run derby contests. He's he still he survived. That's what I don't get about these young players in basketball with a with a dunk contest or in the baseball with the home run contest. It's an exhibition. Get out there. I, the whole it ruins your swing thing. It seemed like Griffey still hit a bunch of home runs otherwise in those in those ninety seasons. Seems like all those other names I just listed still hit a lot of home runs. I, I just get out there and do. It's just part of being a top player. You're going to have to sacrifice, you know, your swing for a night or two, and hit some daners and be and and compete against these other guys that are hitting daners. I, I I just think they should do it. And and the same thing for basketball and the dunk contest. Get out there and do it. Just do it. Yeah, I agree. I would like to see more actual stars in the home run derby. I think this year uh, the only one is Christian Yelich, and then it's a bunch of who cares. Um, uh, maybe Carlos Santana's in it. Uh, I know your boy Josh Bell's in it. I could give two flips about yeah. Josh I mean, Bell. I, I'm not putting him on a pedestal. I, I'll cheer for my pirate, but, I mean, he's not going to win the thing. Uh, who should be in the home run derby? And MLB can keep their little gimmick attitude about the home run derby and all-star weekend in general. Uh, you would have a 20, over 25 bracket and a 25 and under bracket in my home run derby if I was in charge. Christian Yelich, Edwin Encarnacion, Nolan Arenado, and Mike Trout are in the 25 over 25 bracket. The 25 and under would have Ketel Marte from the Diamondbacks, who is an absolute stud and is going to be taking over this game if he stays healthy. Cody Bellinger, who is another guy who is just absolutely killing it this year, and he's going to be your NL MVP. Alex Bregman, who is not having a great year, but he's a very talented third baseman. And Acuna. He is in the real home run derby. I believe he's the only one that is in the real home derby that is in my home run derby. How about Judge? Like, why wouldn't you put him in there? What's to see? I mean, how fun was that the other year when they were down in Miami and he was, like, hitting the wall back there? I don't like Aaron Judge. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to put him in my home run derby. I'd like to see him in the current home run derby. I 100% would. I'd love to see him in there because he's just bigger and stronger than a lot of these other guys that you've named. And so let these guys go up against him. I'm afraid he might strike out. <laughs> Why would you do that? He didn't do that the other year when he was in it. Yeah. Robinson Cano did, though. I would like to see Trout in it. They're talking about it. Trout maybe doing it next year when it's in L.A., uh, even though that's not at the Angel Stadium, it's going to be the Dodger Stadium. I, I hope he does. I hope he thinks being close to home means he needs to do it. I, I think that'd be cool. Cool. I guess Bellinger, I mean, he would be a – he's a Dodger, right? Yeah, he's also <laughs> really good. Yeah. So those kind of guys. Um, I'd like to see Judge – I think Stanton's hurt right now. Otherwise, I'd uh, like to see Giancarlo in it. No. Some of these Why guys not? aren't They're good. They're sluggers, man. That's what a home run derby is. I'd rather see people who can actually Ichiro hit, too. I'm not against having Ichiro in there, you know, get it over the fence by two feet, but consistently do it and get home runs. That would be no, interesting. No, I don't think he would be getting it over by two homers. feet. I don't think he'd be getting it over by two feet. I think he'd be killing it over the fence. I think you would get to see a side of Ichiro that fans don't get to see. I've seen a lot of Ichiro home runs, and they've... Okay, again, his batting practice and his in-game. Were you were you in a coma? Were you not listening when I was talking about how he's approaching batting practice different than his in-game? I guess when he hits batting run, practice, every baseball expert you talk to, batting practice, he is killing the judge. ball let's out see. of the park. Put him against Judge. Put him against McGuire back in his day, and let's see it. Why are you rolling out these guys just because they're big? Like. I don't like him. I think Giancarlo is overrated. Giancarlo is vastly overrated. Overrated 
probably in everyday baseball, he's a slugger. Put him in the home run contest. Mm, pass. I, I'd rather see people who are actually good that can also hit home runs. I really don't care to see the singles hitter more than the guy that's hitting at 500 feet. That's not what the home Well, run one is. of these is an all-time, and one of these is today. Each row, I didn't put each row in my today home run derby. He retired because he's 40-plus. Guess who won't be playing when he's 40-plus? Guess who won't be playing when he's 40-plus? Giancarlo, Stan, Norrier, and Judge. Hey, they'll probably be on our contract still, though. They'll be getting the Bobby Bonilla deal, which we'll be talking about later. All right, let's move on to some of our other stuff that we got going and what's dominating our life and what's dominating my life, uh, kind of returning back to a TV show, uh, Big Little Lies on HBO. Watched the first season last year. Um, it is, uh, you know, you make fun of me about not watching these, like, depressing where nothing good happens shows. It, nothing good happens. No, like, nothing good does happen in this show. Bad things happen. And uh, it's a bunch of strong women actresses. Um, mm -hmm. So when you're talking about Hollywood and everything, everybody talks about, you know, women in roles. It's, that's a great show for it. And it has all the top ladies in it and, it. and it's great that it exists. And it's a very entertaining show. So I think that's a great example of why we should have more things like that. Um, Reese Witherspoon is quite a dynamic character. And she's usually the real likable, sweet role from some of the past roles, Sweet Home Alabama and some of those uh, rom-com kind of things. She's a bit different in this one, and and all of them are. And I, was uh, say, I don't think any season... of the characters are likable, are they? I mean, I watched like the first three or four, and then I started watching other stuff. I need to get back into it, but they they vary. Uh, Nicole Kidman's character, you're probably more rooting for her more than others. There's some pretty uh, tough to watch scenes that involve her, um, but uh, it's a good show. So I'm recommending it. It's not always the easiest thing to watch because it's intense. Uh, but it's a good, well-done show, and uh, I guess I recommend it. And it's starting to dominate my life. We watched the first episode of season two, and we got to catch up on these on these next couple. Yeah. Um, what's dominating my life is minor league baseball. Uh, I went down with my brother and a friend of ours that does 40 sports with us, and we went down to see Ray Hernandez play uh, in Pulaski with the Danville Braves when they took on the Pulaski Yankees. Uh, first thing, if you haven't been to Calfee Park in a while, you should go. It's really nice. Um, back in the day, I would not have recommended it uh, because it is just, it was concrete slabs and it was uh, historic, as they called it. Um, hmm. Now it is very much upgraded, renovated, and it looks nice. It is, I am willing to go out there on a limb without have been to another rookie league park and say it's probably the nicest rookie league park in the country it does get high praise so you're probably not too far it's, that limb. It, if it's not number one it's got to be in the top three uh it is a gorgeous park now they've done a lot to upgrade it uh and then of course we went to watch ray uh and ray is you know been more than a former valley league player for us and a, the first guy we've ever interviewed he's turned into kind of a you know i, I would call him a friend uh, he's been a great friend to talk to uh, since his time in the Valley League, and we stay in touch. And, you know, uh, the four of us that do 4D sports will always be rooting for Ray, uh, no matter where he is. He is the one guy that I can honestly say, if he was a New York Yankee or a Boston Red Sox or whoever, I would still be rooting for him because he is just such a great dude. Uh, and if you ever have the chance to uh, run into him and speak with him, I, I highly recommend it. He is such a great human being. And uh, Listen and back to y'all's interviews with is, is worth your time yeah I'm, I'm rooting for him to uh, he's in a slump right now with danville i'm rooting for him to break out of that slump and uh get back to the hard-hitting ways all right well what do you know that i need to know 
Uh, Major League Baseball deserves whatever it gets. I am so sick and tired of this dumb net argument that they have. It's going to ruin the game. Speaking of minor league baseball, I sat and watched a game behind nets the entire time when, even though I was well on the outfield uh, down the third base line, somehow I sat there and managed to enjoy two great games watching it through a net. And somehow when I go to these Valley League games, I sit behind a cage sometimes or a net and still manage to watch the game and enjoy it. I don't know. It must be some kind of foreign thing that I'm viewing a different prism that I wouldn't be able to enjoy these other major league baseball games. If I was sitting behind a net uh, protected from a hundred mile an hour line drives that could possibly be caving my skull in uh, the little girl that got hit during the Cubs Astros game uh, fractured her skull. She's now suffering seizures and Rob Manfred is still sitting there saying, well, we're not going to put nets down the line. That's a great strategy. By the way, your fan base is aging the they're getting older. You're, Attendance is dropping year after year. Families are trying to do something that they can do all together in a safe environment. Why would you make the environment safe and possibly create young fans when you can just have aging fans who are going to die out and then your sport will die out? That's such a great idea. Major League Baseball has this all figured out. But a lot of these people, well, if the kid's just paying attention, it's a young kid. I don't care if they're watching the game with an eagle eye focus, they do not have the capability to stop a hundred and mile an hour line drive from caving their skull in. And guess what else? I the other argument is we'll move the kids, don't let kids sit in that section. That's a great thing to tell a family. Hey, we want you to come to the game, but don't sit in the good seats. We want you to sit far away. Yeah. Which, by the way, I got news for the 45-year-old guy who thinks if he had a good high school coach, he'd be playing major league baseball right now. That 100-mile-an-hour line drive is going to cave your skull in, too. Yep. And Major League Baseball is not going to learn until they kill somebody. And then they're going to have a lawsuit on their hands. And I hope, and that's why I say, when baseball deserves whatever happens to it, I hope the family gets the best lawyer in the country, pro bono, and sues Major League Baseball for everything they can get. And I hope it puts a real dent in Major League Baseball. Because if they're dumb enough to ride this stand of Nets are going to change people's opinion of the game, then I don't know what to tell them. Why do you have nets behind home plate? It's still the most expensive seat in the stadium to sit behind home plate behind a net. Oh, it doesn't yeah. change it for that? Oh, that's different? Okay. I, then I guess you lose me right somewhere. Down third base just the same. Yeah. yeah, then I guess you lose me somewhere. Other than and we're old dinosaurs who hate change. What I understand is the Nationals are putting nets up during the All-Star break. At least they get it. Um, but it should be across the league. Every, every team should get it, whether Manford or not, does or doesn't. Um, it's just got to happen. I, 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 I just don't even understand an argument against it. I, I don't, it doesn't click in my brain that words that make sense are being put together because just put the nets up, just, just protect these people. And, um, you're sitting there selling beer and selling concessions and handing out things when they're walking through the gate that draws their attention away from what's happening on the field, save them from themselves and put the nets up. I, it's just, that's all I got to say about it. I agree with everything you said that meant put the nets up. Um, I, it's just obvious. Yeah. All right. What I know that you need to know, it's it's the best day of the year for the Mets fans as they still get to pay Bobby Bonilla nearly $1.2 million. Every day, every year on July 1st, they get to pay Bobby Bonilla uh, $1.19 million. They're still going to be paying them in 2035. They've been doing it since 20, 2001. And uh, with the interesting little stat that I saw, their all-stars from the Mets this year, Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo combined 
are only making 1.12 million this season and they're paying Bobby Bonilla one, uh, 1.19. So it's just, it's the interesting stat. I'm sure at the time when the Mets did it, it made financial sense to them to extend this thing out. And Hey, Bobby Bonilla is to keep cashing that check. And you're not going to hear about Bobby Bonilla being bankrupt and in a gutter. Cause he's just going to keep getting that check and uh good for, good for him. I know there's a, exists like this but Bobby Bonilla is definitely the most famous well Chris Davis will take his place when he retires because the Orioles will be paying him till 2037 so hooray yeah. how how much a year on that one I don't yeah I don't know I don't want to know if I don't it's still, know it's easier to handle it's still it's still gonna be like Chris Davis receiving the Bobby Bonilla light contract because this one's just been the run-on joke for like 20 years it's now. also and, it's also not as far into the future obviously since the Mets have been paying Bobby Bonilla since like I don't know, the 90s or early 2000s. And 2001 is when this contract okay, started so paying out. 2001, yeah. and Chris Davis is still playing, and his is yeah. going to end in 2037, which is just two years after Bobby Bonilla. So it's not going to be as long deferred, but yeah. it's not going to make it any easier to stomach when Chris Davis probably has to retire after this year because he's so bad. But Bobby Bonilla Day, always a great day to celebrate money, always leads you into the fourth, feeling good about Bobby Bonilla and his uh, financial future. Yeah, he's going to be doing well for himself. Good for him. Well, that will do it for us here on the Yak Sports Podcast. We're glad you've listened. Uh, please comment and tell me if you disagree with my net take, if you disagree with anything that Leland and I have said in this episode, or if you agree with us, tell us what you think. Uh, if you have something that we're not talking about in the local area and you think we should be talking about it, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. We are also on Facebook, Yak Sports Podcast. Be sure to check us out, like, follow, share, retweet, whatever you can to help spread our message of Augusta County sports and our love of <laughs> Augusta County sports. Uh, we appreciate it, and it allows us to keep talking to all these people. Uh, we appreciate it. So, again, please like, follow, share, and retweet this episode. Comment. Tell us what you think, and we will be sure to respond to his, the fans in turn. Uh, we love getting social media feedback. And uh, in fact, you tried to start a debate with the Nationals and Orioles on it. I'm not biting because Oriole fans don't care about the Nationals. Uh, They don't matter. Uh, And so until next week, thanks for listening. Good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.